0: Hey, I'm Danny Levy, and you're listening to Digital Transformation and Leadership. This is the show where we go behind the scenes with today's top business leaders to understand how they're digitally transforming their company. This week, I'm joined by John Redman, founder and CEO at Modo 25. John, welcome to Digital Transformation and Leadership.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Danny.
0: Looking forward to it. Yeah, really looking forward to it as well. So just before we get started, would you be able to, to quickly introduce yourself and, and what it is you're doing?
1: Yeah, so I'm John Redman. I'm the founder and CEO of a marketing technology and in-housing agency business called Modo25. Uh, we help uh, brands and retailers in-house their digital marketing teams capability. So that includes things like strategy, planning, recruitment, and then ongoing sort of training and best practice. We actually do execute for people to get it into a best practice place. Um, and then what sits behind that is our marketing technology software, Bosco. And um, mm-hmm. what Bosco, has we built Bosco really to help people once they are sort of in-house everything themselves and they're no longer reliant on their agencies, is Bosco enables people to work out which channel should they be investing their next dollar or their next pound in. Uh, so that they can maximize the return based on their objectives. So it looks at all the demand in the market, it looks at all the performance historically for you and other people in the market from third-party data sources and then it basically runs our algorithm and gives you a sort of dashboard that predicts the future. So we provide that with, currently to 42 global retailers mainly and also some of the big agencies use it to help them speed up looking after their accounts so so we're sort of an agency with the twist uh, and a marketing technology business based out of the UK for two people we've got offices in Australia uh, Prague and um, Melbourne Australia
0: and Toronto. So just before we get into the main topic today I just wanted to brace, break the ice with you a bit John. Um, we're going to be talking about digital marketing. I know you're, you, you're a bit of an expert as well within e-commerce, and the current business now is, is looking within retail. I wanted to ask you, what was the what was the best online purchase you made this year?
1: Uh, can I have two?
0: Sure. Of course uh, you Yeah, so th-
1: th- there's one which is really quite, um, uh, I suppose, dull, <laughs> um, which is this latest pair of trainers I've just bought, which are from a company called On. Okay. Uh, and now I've just revolutionized and changed my life um, and they're just sort of not trainers but sort of shoes but trainers and I think they're ace uh, and I bought them I, I, I've never really bought shoes online before I've been a bit of a Luddite for somebody who is in the in- online business I've always thought you need to try shoes on yeah. but lockdown yeah. has forced me and actually I think I don't think everyone's going to go to a shoe shop again um, <laughs> But um, so that's a bit boring uh, and actually, I did buy that from one of our clients, so that's good. Okay. Um, but the, the the other one, which was sort of interesting and, and highlights our expectations now from the internet, is I've recently decided to quit boozing between now and Christmas. Okay. And I realized I had no non-alcoholic beer at home uh, when I was in the office. And I thought, well, I'll stop at the supermarket and get some on the way home. And then I thought, no, mm. I'm going to buy it from Amazon whilst I'm in the office and based on where we live in Yorkshire, I can get Amazon delivered through Morrison's in an hour. Yeah. So I ordered my non-alcoholic beer, uh, pressed all the buttons, clicked the button, the beer got home before I did. Wow. So that was, and it was, and Danny, it was cold. There you so go. So that that is, it's scary the sort of logistics capability and delivery of that. So, and and I'm I'm still quite amazed and where i live in the middle of nowhere between leeds york and harrogate in the north of yorkshire in the north of england and it's not we're not really close to any warehouses uh so i'm still gobsmacked about how that works and i'm I'm a big fan of that um that sort of um i suppose efficiency and ease of use and customer experience which i suppose makes it makes a big challenge for everybody else out there
0: it does. We're all getting very used to it now. As consumers, aren't we? That's what we demand. Did you make use of the coldness of the beer when it arrived? Did yeah, but straight yeah.
1: away. Yeah. Straight away. So, um. <laughs>
0: very good, excellent. So, um, we're going to be talking about um, the evolution of digital marketing and, and trends for the future. We've got several points um, we're going to go through. But, but just before um, we get into it, I thought it'd be good if you could you could kick us off with explaining uh, why digital marketing is now more important than ever.
1: Well, I, I think. Uh, it's it 's just how consumers are behaving and where they 're spending their time mm. uh, and I think it, it, I think sometimes people think digital marketing is is different to normal marketing fundamentally, marketing is trying to connect a brand to potential customers uh, on the right medium at the right time in the right place with the right message, all of those good traditional marketing values and what digital enables us to do is do that in a more efficient and effective manner. But also at the same time hopefully uh, be able to track the relevancy and performance of that so i think as i think i was explaining this to another client the other day the challenge we used to have Mm. uh, when digital marketing sort of first started was you might have multiple people using one device so you might have a whole family using one home computer so it's difficult to work out who was doing what Whereas the, we've now got an opposite challenge now in digital is you've now got one person using multiple devices. So you might have someone with a laptop, an iPad, multiple phones, uh, an Amazon, Alexa, this that, and the other, all these different devices are that uh, they, they're interacting with media. So I suppose uh, digital now and even digital TV, one thing we've seen a huge thing of now is TV. So I think it's understanding mm-hmm. your customers and then understanding which digital medium is relevant for your potential target customers and audiences you want to to engage and get to. And I I think uh, it's also the speed, I'd say as well, Danny, is the Mm. speed at which you can go from idea, campaign to execution could be hours rather than historically when you were planning media and you had to put something in the press or you had to do some out of home or you had to do some TV, it could take weeks and months. So I, I think the ability to respond and react And and be proactive and reactive, um, digital really gives you that edge. Um, But that said, you get a lot of people um, doing it badly, and you get. Mm. But fortunately, I think more people are doing it well than are doing it badly.
0: Yeah, you mentioned as well that do we even need to refer to marketing anymore as digital marketing, or is it now just all digital marketing?
1: Well, this was one of the sort of premises behind why i set up Modo 25 because mm. I, I over the last so i've been involved in sort of significantly growing two two agencies one search laboratory and when, when i joined there was like 10 of us and when i exited there was 160 of us in in north leeds and then another one called summit where we used to look after some of the world's biggest retailers okay and it was always digital marketing yeah and it was like seo was snake oil and and voodoo and magic um and ppc had yeah dark yeah. arts and, and ppc you had to have a double first in statistics because it was so complicated yeah. um but what what's what we've seen happening over the last 10 years is this is just normal now and mm. it's become normal marketing and actually some of these execution functions so keyword cleaning ad text optimization bid management do you necessarily need to outsource to a an agency where you could recruit somebody in-house who could not only do that but might also be able to do some other things and would understand and have a much better understanding of your product than maybe an external agency so I, th- I do think it is now just marketing delivered mm-hmm. in a digital medium and, and I think one of the things and I don't know if it's it's well I mean, it's the same globally but Facebook now yeah every fifth post right I think it's every fifth is an ad yeah. on my Facebook stream right. Um, it's like it's not we've gone some 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 companies have gone too digital too reliant on the maths mm-hmm. and actually we we've, we've moved away from the creative brand marketing and what's going to stop me scrolling well it needs to be a very interesting captivating video or image or message and actually we, we need to spend rather than just making sure we've got the the ad optimized and the right bid We also need to make sure we've got the right product, and we've got the right proposition and we've got the right brands and we've got a a message. And I I think what digital has done over time is we've all focused on the bottom of the funnel. Mm -hmm. We've all been fighting over those few clicks at the bottom of the funnel. And some brands have neglected the top of the funnel. And actually, if you had spent some time on the top of the funnel, maybe when they get to the bottom of the funnel, they're not searching on Google or Facebook anymore. They just come straight to your website and buy something yeah um and I, and I think that's going to be an interesting thing over time is It's getting very hard to compete at that bottom of the funnel and getting very expensive. Mm-hmm. so it's about understanding that wider marketing piece to understand well, what is our proposition, our branding, how do we stand out from the crowd mm-hmm. and so i i do I do think it is becoming marketing, but it's just like good old fashioned marketing delivered online. Yeah, and, but some people maybe don't have the skills to do that. I think one thing that people aren't going to be able to bring in house straight away is sort of some of the brand stuff. I do still mm. think there's a lot of value in getting spending some decent money on getting a branding people because that can really help you. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it is just marketing now executed online, and I do think marketing departments should have a digital team, and you should be investing in that.
0: And in terms of you mentioned there, um, brands gravitating more towards bottom of funnel. Um, I guess a lot of that ties back into attribution. Typically, the kind of bottom of funnel easier to measure. You can kind of throw money at it. In the top of funnel stuff, the brand marketing takes long time, not always as easy to measure. H- how do you how do you think about attribution at the moment? Uh,
1: so I, I must have this conversation about ten times a <laughs> week about attribution with different clients. Yeah. Or, or prospects or or team members, I think attribution is one of those things where everybody's talking about it but nobody's really doing it mm-hmm. properly. And what I sort of mean is, and I suppose attribution technically is measuring uh, like cost versus sale by like what what mm-hmm. was the cost, what 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 was it? So um, and and a model that is is technically an attribution model could be last click wins. However. Mm-hmm. Last click wins, or last non-direct click, which a lot of people use as well, um, is not really going to enable you to understand the impact of the upper funnel activity. So we see we see quite a few brands looking at it, going, "We'd love to get there, so we can convince the finance director to give us more money Mm -hmm. to invest in, I don't know, banner advertising or display advertising." Um, But I don't think many people. Yet have got all their data organised into one place, and they haven't then thought about or analysed their transactions uh, in order to to go well. What is, and and I think the thing is here, Danny. There isn't mm. one size fits all. Yeah. Even in one business, if you sell multiple products to different demographics of people, you're going to have multiple different versions of a, of a buyer journey. Mm-hmm. So what you've got to almost work out, well, which one is the best fit or arguably which one is least wrong? Because um, there isn't a right answer to attribution. But once you understand, I suppose, once the first stage would be to get all your tracking in place on all your different media, and even that, if that's on impressions or views across all the sort of, uh, above the sort of um, videos or ads on third party sites, can we get? can we track those? Are we still allowed to track those? Will we still be allowed to track those in the future with uh, the cards and cookies and and how all that's changing? Um, So um, Yeah, once we've got the tracking in place once we've got the data in place It's about analyzing all your all your transactions and then really trying to make a decision on what model is the best fit for your business but to answer your question I would say 95% of our clients and the clients we talk to are still doing last click wins, mm-hmm. which ultimately means everybody's chucking more money at Google and Facebook. And actually, is that the best thing to do for the long-term future of your business? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, is it sustainable? We've got, I, I know clients that are spending, it's like we've been doing some planning sessions ahead of sort of cyber months in November. Mm-hmm it's not just Cyber Monday and Black Friday anymore, it's just the whole month is going to be crazy. And it's millions and millions and millions of pounds to be spent on Google clicks. Yep. Um, and the big winner there is Google.
0: Yeah. And how, so, how do you think, is there a way in which, I mean it's, it's a longer term thing, but how, how do kind of marketers break out of this mindset
1: of having to spend everything
0: with, with Google and Facebook?
1: I think it's understanding the behavior of their actual customers and and, and, and almost if they can understand customer lifetime value rather than just be obsessed about individual transactions or new customer acquisition because arguably is it easier to sell more stuff to your existing customers than it is maybe to the cost of acquiring a new customer. One thing we've been talking a lot to is since the pandemic and Mm -hmm every every retailer in the world has suddenly become experts at digital marketing because all their yeah. shops are closed yeah. and suddenly they know everything there is to know about digital marketing and they're like look at all these new customers we acquired we're just going to keep doing that and actually that's going to be hard because we're, now the shops are open again mm-hmm. but you've got these customers you've hopefully got some opted-in good quality first-party data you know a lot about them hopefully you know how you acquired them what mm-hmm. they bought you could then potentially look at historical customer data and go well other people who bought things like that also then went on to buy so actually is now not the time to to focus your time and effort on a really good customer marketing or loyalty marketing to really engage those new customers you acquired in the pandemic to, and I, and I think there's a real sort of, a, a lost art of good quality email marketing. Yeah. I think that's, that's people just, don't do it properly it just gets deleted without being read mm-hmm. and I also think is I know this might sound daft when we're talking about digital marketing yeah but I love a good quality piece of personalized direct mail yeah right it's like and if it matches up to what I did online it's like you know the world is is an interesting place when Google and Facebook is sending you direct mail to buy online ads mm-hmm. Right? so it, it clearly would work otherwise Google and Facebook wouldn't be doing it to target me to buy online media yeah. um but i think it's um it's it's the the whole attribution thing is hard mm. and it's uh, and people aren't doing it right and it's going to end up i think people are scared to 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 challenge what is working so yeah. Google and Facebook works, right? Mm-hmm. So why would I don't want to be the person in the boardroom that says, mm, "Let's not spend fifty grand this month at Google. Let's go try something else."
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and I
1: think what people need is to have some confidence to know that actually, if they put their fifty thousand pounds with or fifty thousand dollars or whatever it is with with TikTok, mm-hmm. they want to know what is going to happen or how it's going to work. Yeah, uh, and I think that's why people do need sort of tools to be able to forecast rather than having things historically where it's, oh, give us some money, we'll, we'll spend it, and we'll, we'll see what happens, mm-hmm. which has always been the way, sort of like the test and learn budget. But because we've become addicted to certainty with, like, Google and other performance media, people expect that from everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of cause and effect, really. Um, but you can get a lot of visibility from your YouTube ads or from your display ads, yeah. and if you get your tracking right and you get your setup right, uh, you can prove the value.
0: Yeah, and, but you, can you can you keep your budget the same? Can you keep your fifty thousand dollars there, but go off and still do other things simultaneously to see what kind of results you get? So you're not taking. I suppose risk. It, it
1: depends. It depends on the view of the business. Yeah and the view of then redistributing the attribution and the value that that drove Mm -hmm. so one thing we talk a lot to clients about is ultimately the first click has quite a lot of weight yeah right if it's a new customer then ultimately yes there's the last click as well and then should we strip out any direct visits in in between and so some people do like a uh, a 40 20 40 so 40 percent attribution on the first 40 percent attribution on the last but they then strip out any direct clicks in the in the meantime or traffic and um then attribute the, the other 20 percent across the middle yeah. and then if you apply that model um back to your sort of channels it, it then automatically sort of redistributes the budgets okay. and gives you potentially more budget to spend in different channels or makes a more sensible conversation with the FD or the CMO or whoever it is you need to convince. Yeah. And I think with all of this though, is you need you need to get senior stakeholders mm-hmm. on board with, the, with this whole concept that it's not, there's very few products that are one click, one journey purchase these days, right? Mm-hmm. People just don't do that. They are researching for weeks and months they're browsing many times. They're clicking on emails. They're clicking yeah, on yeah. Facebook ads. They're watching ads on telly. That then prompts them to go back and, and look at something else as well. So it's, and I don't think it takes a genius to convince anybody of that. But no. what I mean, it it might, it, you is, might see
0: the same ad what fifty times before you finally click on it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's like, did they all did that help nudge you? Yeah. Right, and 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 all of that, and it's like, I think it doesn't take a, a genius to articulate that story, but then. What you need to almost do is is get the senior stakeholders buy-in yeah. to implement a model you then need the data behind you to to convince them of that model and then you need to sort of hold your breath redistribute your budgets in line with the model and go for it uh, and and hope for the best and, and normally what we've seen is it does unlock a lot of scale
0: because
1: mm-hmm. suddenly you're getting people further up the funnel and then you're not fighting over that bottom of the funnel, last click malarkey. Yeah, yeah. I, and so it, the people who do it properly do scale a lot faster. Yeah. And you mentioned
0: around um, direct mailers. Why, why do you think they're working so well at the moment? Is it because we're so now ingrained in this digital world that actually <laughs> being outside of it, and having something to touch and feel and, and, and look through is, is, is quite powerful? Well,
1: I, yeah. I just When was the last time you got a nice letter? Like there wasn't yeah. a bill. Yeah. That was genuinely interesting, and it's like, if, it, if you sent me, it doesn't need to, I don't want a catalogue, right? I don't want to go back to the days of, we used to do a lot of work with Argos, hmm. and we would we spent eight, I remember being sat in meetings where they were like, we're going to stop the catalogue, and growing up in the UK when you were a kid, the Argos catalogue was like a thing at Christmas, wasn't it, yeah. circling all of what you wanted, it was, yeah. and it was like, we're going to get rid of this national institution, it's all going to be online, yeah. and that the was A1 like, catalogue as well, they all live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, all these different massive catalogs yeah. of different stuff and the, the little woods. And it was all, everybody right, Everybody thinks like getting stuff delivered to your house is new. It's not. People mm. have been buying from catalogs for years. It's now just a catalog on your computer. Um, anyway, I think having something that's personalized, curated, and relevant to me that mm. arrives in my house, the one I think does it really well is something like Charles Truett Shirts. Mm-hmm. Right? I go online and buy something. And then a few days later, I get a thank you letter for buying online. So I get a letter and then they say, here's a voucher of of 10 pounds or 20 pounds, whatever. And then and it's actually a voucher, I think. And I said, stick it on my notice board. And then I'm constantly walking past my notice board at home or the fridge or whatever mm. going, ah, oh, next time I buy some shirts, I'll use that 10 pound voucher, 20 pound yeah, voucher. Yeah. They've got an ad in my kitchen, right? <laughs> so I think people who do it well, and and it's thought about, and I think what's interesting is, Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've seen is there's a lot of companies that came from catalogue, went online, and have evolved. They're doing really well with this whole digital personalised print thing mm-hmm. and joining it all up. A lot of the online first companies, are still, I don't know if they've got the skill set to do it, or they just don't necessarily see the value, they see it as a big cost. But actually, if you get into and understand your cost of sale, of the Google clicks costing you X pounds, or mm-hmm. well, you could probably print a personalised letter, stick it in the post in a nice envelope, send it to someone for less than that. Um, so yeah, you really cut um, through the
0: noise, don't you? As well, and like you said, because well, yeah. you can just close your you close your laptop down at the end of the day, and you're done with that whole space, aren't you? But like you said, I think you're having something on more your fridge. And that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And I think the other thing you can do as well, if you're smart, is you can have a QR code in the mm-hmm. letter. Yeah. But like if you are trying to track it or get it them to some personalised media, you could you could have a QR code going, right, look at this product now online. Or and, and again it's say that that is like the pandemic has had been a rebirth of the QR code, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um that was something no one could have ever predicted. Um but yeah, it's like QR codes are a normal part of everyday life now. And I think that's an opportunity for marketing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And I have to ask you as well, you mentioned around email marketing. A lot of brands doing that poorly. Um, what are they doing poorly and, and, and how would you fix it?
1: Oh, right. So <laughs> I don't know if that's, if that's, a, if that's a question No, my background. So I spent years <laughs> in, in email marketing. Had to ask as
0: when that well. came up. I had to ask. Yeah, so
1: I, ju- I just think, um, right, here's a question. Everybody listening to this will have done it. You will have probably deleted some emails today without reading them. Right, that's people yeah, yeah. Well, my, my inbox
0: now has like uh, a normal inbox, and then it has like you know focused, and then non-focused. So I pretty yeah. much go into and the non-focused most day and delete it. Yeah, yeah. You
1: just highlight, select all, delete. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, so you've got people. You've got, or you've got people at the other end of the spectrum. who aren't bothered about inbox zero, and they've just got one hundred and forty thousand unread emails, and then mm. they just pick out the ones they want and put them in a different place. Yeah, they will never be
0: able to sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just too
1: much. <laughs> there's too much noise. So I think sometimes it's about making sure it is genuinely personal yeah and, and I think some things we've seen people and I don't know if you could do this at scale and I think that's part of the point you can't do it at scale is if people feel everything has just been auto generated by a system mm-hmm. they don't want to engage with it so it's like but it's not practical to send out a hundred thousand emails individually so how can you still make it personal i think there's a lot of decent technology now if you look at some of the different things of so i know there's a piece of technology out there called increasingly that is bundling so it's like well how can you make that so you recently bought the shirt by the way these things go with that shirt here's a bundle and a discount if you were to buy in the next whatever period to get off those um i might be interested in that or why don't you Here's, here's an offer. The other bit I don't think people do it well at all, mm-hmm. and they do do well in, in in maybe direct mail, is that whole cross-promotional offers between similar brands for similar demographics. Mm-hmm. So if I'm buying wine and Charles Truitt, they cross-promote in vouchers in my wine, Yeah. Right? So that's quite clever. However, they don't do anything online, really. But actually, that could, that could incentivize me to engage or read. But I think the bottom line is there's too much email and it's just too easy to keep pressing send. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people have become lazy and they mm-hmm. don't put as much thought in it. it, it again, we've, we've, we've done this before. If you were printing a, an advert for a magazine,
0: mm-hmm. even though the
1: magazine's only gonna be read by a few thousand people, you spend more time and effort designing it than if you design an email that's gonna be fired out to hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And and why is that? Yeah. Why is something that's getting printed in a physical world more important, perceived to be more important than an email that's going out to hundreds of thousands of people? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's just the way we, we've thought, the way we've sort of trained our, the way we work our marketing teams.
0: Mm. It's interesting, isn't well, it?
1: It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, yeah. and I, I, I'm a big, I, see, I want to see what's going to happen with like push messaging or yeah. in-app messaging yeah. or, WhatsApp, it's like, it's only a matter of time before Facebook start putting ads in WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. I know they're saying they're not going to, but I'm, I'm a cynic there. Okay. There's so much data they've got there.
0: There is, yeah. It's uh, it's just so widely used and adopted as well, isn't it? I mean, it's if you start to put adverts in there, the, the people they'll reach is just phenomenal.
1: Well, the, 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 the easy thing is, there's two versions. There's yeah. an ad version, mm. or you pay £2 a month. Yeah. Yeah. Would everybody pay two pounds a month for now three years? Probably. Boom, there's yeah. millions and millions of pounds of the revenue yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. every month. Yeah. And so you you mentioned before around, you know, getting the channel mix right. Try, you know, do you do more top of funnel, bottom of funnel, how 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 you track it? How, I mean, if you were approaching it with a clean slate, what channels would you be exploring today and investing
1: in? Oh, that's a that's a big question. <laughs> um so, I, I think that the things here, is you really need to, un- I suppose, understanding your product, right? So what Yeah. Product, but and I think it's about, what, about, let's think about our customers and where are our customers hanging out? What are they doing? And, and fundamentally, what message do we want to get in front of them at what time? So, I suppose if you were launching a new fitness product, mm-hmm. um, you probably need to be coming up with some quite lifestyle, inspirational content and getting it all over YouTube and Facebook, maybe even TikTok. Uh, and again, the th- the, I do think if, if people haven't investigated TikTok, mm-hmm. they're probably thinking it's just for the kids, right? It's not yeah. just for the kids. You know, there's middle-aged people on TikTok spending hours of their lives, getting lost looking at videos. Uh, and then every now and again, there's an ad. And those ads are a lot cheaper than ads on Facebook or Google or anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's one side I'd look at is like, where are people to so do some real sort of audience, understand the yep. personas of your perfect customers, understand where they're hanging out and go and try and get some eyeballs there. I would, again, if there's a certain search term that is a, is a nailed on right our customers are going to search for this, uh, you should re- search Marketing does work. PPC still works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be very granular. I'd be really focused. If you've got a transactional website, shopping does work. I'd make sure you get a, a sort of Google CSS partner if you're in Europe because you can get a discount. But it's um, yeah, I'd be. I suppose the problem I'd say, Dan, is actually I'd look a bit, a little bit of everything, mm. um, to make sure we've got the right mix across. Um, and I suppose if it depends on fundamentally how much budget have we got. If I had mm-hmm. a very tight budget and I was a startup, I'd focus on Google Shopping. If I had a little bit more, I'd do shopping and search. If I had a little bit more, I'd then start doing YouTube and a bit of display with video and paid social. Yep. Uh, paid social's obviously become a lot harder in the last few months with the whole Apple iOS 14.5 mm-hmm. challenges uh, in terms of tracking. Uh, but we're seeing clients coming back who've kept spending the money and they're still now, we can we can, we can start seeing the, the more of uh, the sales coming through. Um, yeah, so I suppose, it really depends who the business is and what they're doing and what stage they're at so that was a, a very very wordy answer say so a bit of everything
0: <laughs> sorry <laughs> no no, don't worry don't worry and that that was good and you mentioned around uh tiktok i mean that there's the there's the tendency isn't there as well to kind of go after the shiny new stuff and then you can spread yourself quite thin um you, you said around kind of just figuring out where your customers are, are hanging out would you would you bother even even looking at things if they're not already on these platforms, or, or would you just limit yourself to say one or two social platforms to keep it really focused? So you can, because you've also got to concentrate on kind of a lot of other things as well, haven't you? Not, not just the social side. Uh,
1: I, I suppose it it depends. So yeah. you, you can there's a, there's two ways to answer this question. You could go well, I know my markets on Facebook or Google. Mm. I'm going to go for that. But also, as are all my competitors. Yeah. Um. So, I'm not so that's interesting. So, or you could go and if you look at a brand like Gymshark, mm-hmm. right? Gymshark didn't read the marketing rule book, no. and they didn't go and do Google shopping and Google text ads, they just went on all over Instagram and went on influencers and led on we've got some really cool gym gear mm-hmm. and we're going to go for it a bit like a brand like i don't know there's an up-and-coming new gym brand called castor okay. and and they've they're not necessarily going down the traditional route they've built some really good quality product and they're sponsoring lots of athletes they're sponsoring lots of football clubs so i suppose there's there's sometimes an argument when everybody's doing one thing you want to be doing the opposite and if you've got a small budget you need to have a big impact so the argument if you're you want to have a big impact maybe you go all in on the new thing Mm -hmm. uh, and back that but that's potentially risky but if your audience are there and you can find them and you know what you're doing the cost per thousand impressions or the cost per clicks within TikTok, Mm -hmm. are a hell of a lot cheaper at the moment than the cost per clicks in google or in facebook so it's, I suppose it, it depends. Do you want to go the traditional route and take everybody on toe for toe? Or do you want to try and be a little bit disruptive or different? Because the other big thing that I think, which we haven't talked about at all, and is often a bit of a dirty word in marketing, or historically has been, is affiliate marketing. Yeah. I, I think it's massively underused. There's some really big online retailers who, who just don't invest in it or, or manage it properly, I'd say. They, they might have a few discount codes or some cash back actually what about closed employee benefit platforms what about loyalty schemes what about all the sort of different uh, membership clubs like there's there's a whole world of affiliate opportunities out there which can add a load of incremental revenue and traffic to your business uh, and people still think oh it's just gold hanging discount discount codes it's not for me i don't Mm -hmm. want to do that it devalues my brand so maybe i suppose and the good thing about affiliates is it's all cost per acquisition so you only pay if you make some money
0: yeah yeah no, it's uh, works in your favour, doesn't it, affiliate, When you when you make yeah, sure that's the, when, you, when you start to pay.
1: Yeah, and I think as long as it's managed properly, I think yeah. historically it had a bad vibe, and because people sort of abused it and people would, didn't track it properly. But as long as it's managed and tracked properly, it can be a really lucrative channel.
0: Yeah, and in terms of in terms of brand brand marketing, um, which is again longer play, are there any kind of specific channels? you'd recommend or, or you'd be looking at there just in terms of building the brand and, and kind of you know being that, that first point, point of call when someone actually thinks of the, the product or service you offer?
1: Uh, I think, yeah, we, we can go really sort of top of funnel and do yeah. sort of a programmatic or there's loads of, what's interesting now with, you used to have to go to all the different programmatic platforms, but now a lot of the big publishers have, are setting up their own deals, so We've recently been doing some deals with our clients within Reach, which owns like the Star and the, all those sorts of um, uh, newspapers or the Mail Metro Group, mm-hmm. which own obviously the Mail and the Metro, which are two of the biggest of online newspapers or the Telegraph Group or whoever. And you can go and do deals direct to okay. get that sort of display advertising. Yeah. Um, but then also you've got the sort of display content network within Google, so if mm-hmm. you want to show the ads in, in people's um, Gmail and this and that and the other, I think it's about making sure you, you really do hone down who your audience is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the bit again, which I'm quite excited about what's going to happen and where's it's going to go is this whole sort of digital out of home. Okay. Um, I think there's some really interesting innovations that are going to happen in that. We were talking to a company that had designed these massive billboards that mm-hmm. they reckon they can identify individuals walking towards the billboards and then potentially change the ads based on who's coming
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's both exciting but also quite scary isn't it um,
0: it is, it's very minority so yeah well
1: But would you pay more if you were the brand saying right I, and again or if you were a shop and you could you could almost send a show me the, as if I walk into a shop the last product I looked at online and it then said by the way this is on hanger over there in the far right corner go try it on yeah, uh, it, it, that would be mega. Uh, yeah. But I think some people would love that. Some people would find that very scary. Mm. Uh, so I think that whole online, offline, digital, like you see it now in on public transport, the number of digital display boards and the capabilities of those to be connected to the internet. So you can now buy a lot of that programmatically. So it's not like you just have to book a slot at King's Cross Station for a period of time or at Singapore Airport. You can just programmatically buy it at certain slots
0: yeah
1: um so I, th- I think that's if you if you really want to get your brand out there and the same I'd, I'd say um what we've seen a lot of in the way people consume media now is more and more on youtube mm. so and digital tv or and um, watching youtube on a mm. tv yeah right who'd have thought that who'd have thought that was a thing but um now it's people the way people consume media is um is do streaming. So, um, the opportunity to do TV ads and digital TV ads uh, is becoming a lot, lot more cost-effective and affordable. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I think a lot of brands would probably be listening to this, thinking, "Well, I can't afford to do TV." Yeah. I'd be tempted to say, "Well, you could easy, You you might not say that about YouTube, but if you start doing YouTube ads, you're basically starting to do TV. Um, and why isn't there a way you could potentially republish that to other digital TV providers mm-hmm. uh, and, and broaden your audience? Uh, and then, if you suppose if you connected that in a smart way to, so when your TV ad shows, you then update your bids on paid search, or when your competitor's mm-hmm. TV ad shows, you update your bids on the generic search to capture their traffic. Um, by connecting it all, there's, yeah. there's some clever yeah. ways to get to get new clients. Yeah.
0: For a marketer listening to this, I guess we've talked about all these different channels you can be using you can be exploring um, there's a lot to get your head around what Why do you think it is that many people really do struggle kind of allocating budget or you know they 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 kind of get caught in a catch twenty two where they they're not quite sure they don't want to stick their neck out
1: well, I think there's two things what what one of them is they don't necessarily have everything in one place. Mm -hmm. So they might have one report from Facebook, they might have one report from uh, Google Analytics, they might have another report from Google AdWords and the two don't match for some reason. They might have another report from the back of their e-commerce platform and then they'll have some sort of TV report going, well, we've shown your ad to this many people. Mm -hmm. And trying to get all of that into one place in one central dashboard to help you make decisions is quite hard. And if you're, say, I don't know, a Vodafone, and you've got a massive global agency and a team of data scientists, you've probably been doing stuff like that, and you've probably got a consolidated dashboard where you can see your attribution, and you can see what channel's have what effect. But if you're an aspirational retailer who's doing a lot of this themselves and maybe has a PPC agency, maybe has a paid social agency, but does everything else themselves in-house, it's difficult to get that sort of central dashboard. and then I suppose the other one is it's the fear to try something new when what you're doing is, is working enough. Yeah. And, and I think I often refer to it. It's a bit like in the sort of 80s. Everybody used to say nobody gets fired for buying IBM.
0: It's reliable.
1: Yeah. It's reassured. And at the moment, I think we're in a world where nobody gets fired for buying Google clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like a thing. Um, and I think that needs to be challenged. And going well, are Google clicks the right thing. We should be buying, mm-hmm. uh, or it, are there better places for us to be investing our budget? And how do we know that? And what data and science, or what uh, have we done to to establish that that is what we should be doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I also think it's um, it's it's people just have to put a lot of trust in their agencies. Yeah, and. So this is my third point, which I was only going to do two, but I'll do three, <laughs> is there's this thing, there's this bias, right, in yeah. the world, right, there's this bias in, in a lot of things. So, Dan, if I was to go to Google as a retailer and say, where should I spend more money, they're probably going to say Google or some of the Googled owned media, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to say, oh, invest in Facebook. If you go to Facebook, they're going to say Facebook. If you go to Amazon, they're going to say Amazon. So you can't really go to the platforms and ask for any advice or best practice independent advice. Also, I would say the same is true for your agency because the agency might have a knowledge bias. So they might go, you might say, look, I've got an extra $50,000. Where should I invest it? And they're not going to tell you to invest it in TikTok if they don't have a TikTok team. Because if they say TikTok and they can't do it, that means you take your money somewhere else. Right? So they're going to go look around the room and go, oh, we've got three guys who aren't busy on Facebook. We'll tell the client to invest in Facebook. Right? And that's just human nature of running their business. So there's this sort of knowledge and experience bias. And the, the, tra- the same might be true with your own internal team. You don't know what you don't know. So you just keep doing what you do know. And I think there is this sort of fear to try new, new channels um, because everything in the past has been so scientific and measurable. Uh, and that's almost given us that problem.
0: How how do you break out of that? Is that like you said, they're just putting more trust in your agency to be coming to well, you, well, and I, I, pushing I, I, well, you to do that, or
1: it, it sounds like you've just yeah. we've just teed this up? But that's exactly <laughs> why I built Bosco, okay. right? Because I I'm frustrated with the world yeah. where you can't get a straight answer. So I, I yeah. built this thing called Bosco. Bosco pulls all your data into one place. We then run this algorithm to go right for those products in those mm-hmm. categories. We believe the next play, your next move, should be on TikTok or on Facebook okay. or on Instagram or on YouTube, and we've built that in a sort of software as a service, really affordable way. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to be a Vodafone. Uh, yeah. For a few hundred dollars a month, you could you could have access to some really advanced, um, sort of AI machine learning tech, but which I suppose is is built on the fundamentals of People have been running agencies for twenty plus years. So it's um, so the answer is, is 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 I suppose have a have a play with uh, with Bosco and, and see if it could work with your business. But or ask hold your agency to account and ask some harder questions because I, th- I think um, it's um, it's easy just to keep doing what you're doing.
0: John, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I I, I got tons of value out of that. Um, thank you for talking us through the. The evolution of digital marketing and, and trends for the future, and, and going through in so much detail some of your thoughts and, and the different channels and, and what, how companies need to be thinking in terms of investing their budgets. Um, just to close, I always ask my guests to share one life or career lesson with the listeners.
1: That's a tough one. Yeah. I would say, for me, it's getting up early. Okay. Right? So I've got this, <laughs> I've got this thing. Well, you I, helped I, me and, out today and, with the Asia time. Well, No, well, earlier, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so but I've got this thing. This wasn't early. I could have done this a lot earlier. We could okay. Have done it at your now morning. you tell me. And I think it's because my father was a butcher. Right. Yeah. He used to always have to get up early to do. And what I used to find is I I get a load of headspace. Even so, I used to always get up early and do my homework in the morning. Mm-hmm. And my he used to drive my mum in, saying because she was always worried about it. But I would just get up early, do it, go straight to school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not do it depending on who you believe but i get up early and i write my list of things to do before i go to bed then i get up early and i just crack on i reckon i get more done between say i don't know five and seven in the morning Mm -hmm. than most people do in a day um and i think that's just because there's nobody interrupting me there's nobody and also i've got more energy i'm more focused i'm not feeling tired Uh, and yeah so i try and do that most most mornings well in fact I do do that most mornings and I also try and do a half an hour exercise which is more a recent thing because yeah. I'm getting old and I'm starting to feel old so I think I need to keep getting fitter <laughs> uh, but now I would just say if you can get up early and, and really sort of prioritize something because then by the time you get to the office or eight o'clock you already feel like you want yeah right so whatever happens for the rest of the day you've already won, right? Mm. You could have an absolute disaster the rest of the day, but you've got three things ticked off on your to-do list, so you're winning. Um, so that's something, I, and I try and encourage that with all my team, is like, look, I, it's not, just try and get a couple of things done before you actually um, start your day. You'll you'll feel a lot better about yourself.
0: Yeah. And then, does that mean that you also end a bit earlier?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll yeah. fall asleep on the sofa. <laughs> um, yeah, at some point this evening. I tend to, but what it also means, I suppose, Danny... If the people listening to this who've got a really busy life and got kids yeah. is I have a rule is that in the evenings, I'm, I try not to do any work. Yeah. But because I know I can write my list and get up early and do it, I don't feel like I'm letting the business down. But I also mm-hmm. don't feel like I'm letting my kids down yeah. uh, so we can have dinner together. We can do whatever we're doing, go walk the dog or whatever it is we're doing as a family. Uh, and I'm not sat in the back thinking, oh, know I've got to do that. I need to do that. I need to send that proposal. I need to send mm-hmm. that email because I know I can do it in the morning
0: yeah yeah that's really smart it lowers your stress levels as well doesn't it tremendously when you when you're able to kind of have that split between work work life and family life
1: i think it is difficult but it is um and also it's like we're not uh, we're not saving lives here i'm not we're not heart (laughs) surgeons, so it's like nothing that drastic is going to happen if it waits till tomorrow yeah
0: exactly well john how can people get in touch if they want to find out more
1: so we have two websites we've got modo25.com which is our in-housing and training and recruitment uh, agency or askbosco.io or they can uh, look me up on on linkedin Um, i'm just uh, i'm john redmond and that's redmond r-e-a-d-m-a-n so it's just linkedin.com I think it's slash in on then slash John Redman. And yeah, um, I'd love to connect with people and and give them a a go and show them what Bosco could do for them.
0: John, thank you so much for coming on Digital Transformation and Leadership. I've really enjoyed it. Uh,
1: Thank you very much, Danny. Thanks for having
0: me. You've made it to the end of another episode of Digital Transformation and Leadership. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. No need to leave a written review. Just clicking on the five stars is enough. I'd really appreciate it as it helps the show get found and it helps those listener numbers grow. And we'll be back again next week when we will again go behind the scenes with another top business leader to understand how they're digitally transforming their company. The
1: Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast is a Blue Aurora Media Production.